You Can't Sit With Me, hosted by Deanna Isfear. It's been a while since I last did a Netflix interview, and I must say, I've just been way too busy social climbing my way through living in LA that I haven't even had time to properly binge on a Netflix series. I finally came across this show, Rhythm and Flow, which I'm sure you've all heard about. It's basically the voice version. It's the rap version of The Voice, excuse me. Um, Cardi B, T.I., Chance the Rapper are the judges, and... First of all, can we actually appreciate the fact that I was able to binge on a whole series featuring Cardi B? Because let me tell you, okay, one thing that I really don't fucking like in LA and one thing I would probably never do is meditate, okay? It just doesn't work for me. The one time I decided to take a yoga class, I got kicked out because I couldn't stop nervously laughing. So anyway, my form of meditation is going on YouTube and watching videos of Cardi B and all the fucked up things she said to the press. That is really what helps me wind down at the end of a really, really tough and grim work day. Okay. So obsessed with this show. And today I'm feeling lucky because I'm actually going to be chatting with Troyman. He was one of the top four finalists and also one of my favorite contestants from the show. So a little bit of a spoiler alert. If you haven't watched yet, you might want to wait until you listen to this interview. I, you know, as a failed pop artist was dying to find out about you know, the rap industry, the rap world, what goes into a battle, all of that kind of stuff. But also little quirks about him that they might not have highlighted on the show because, you know, being a rapper is all about portraying this kind of harder image. So I was very interested in this. I hope you enjoy this interview. Don't forget to help a thirsty bitch out, okay? Rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. And for all the links, all the resources, you can find them on the concertwithme.com webpage. If you guys want to take part in the conversation, you can request to join the secret Facebook group. It's called Bitches Sit Together. There's a bunch of people on there that are really funny, really hilarious, really contribute to the show. Just a quick disclaimer before we get into it. I actually made the very strategic decision to keep the tip of the week until the end of every episode from now on. I thought it would be just a nice thing to look forward to. That's how I roll. I want to keep bitches on their toes. I hope you forgive me. But I also want to make sure that people are excited about the episodes. I didn't want to distract from the interviews as much. So this is what's going to happen from now on. I hope you enjoy it. Let's get into the interview with Troyman. And we have Troyman, who was one of the four finalists from the show. Whoop, whoop, whoop. What's up, guys? What's up? Hi, how are you? Um, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. We're doing this over Zoom. So you're in Atlanta at yes. the minute. You're in, you're in your house in Atlanta. So you've come back from Hollywood. You're back home. I'm back home. Yep. Is this the first podcast that you've done? Probably. Yeah. Um, I've, I've, I have a couple more lined up in the future, but as far as within this season, like is this year? Yeah. This is probably my first one. Oh my gosh. I'm very honored that you wanted to do this. Of course. You were in Atlanta and you worked at a smoke shop and you were spotted at a barber shop. So like through a contact, I'm guessing, how did that come about? Like how, how did that happen? Oh, well more so when I, um, when I went to the, uh, I used to work at the smoke shop for years and years on end. So yeah. when I did the interview, uh, when I auditioned rather, yeah. I auditioned at these hotels for the sake of the show. And yeah. then once I officially made those two auditions, the next audition was me at the barbershop. So I was completely unaware that T.I. was going to show up. What? Um, I had an idea of where we were just for the sake of being in Edgewood. Like I knew who uh, Killer Mike was. I knew that was his barbershop. But even then, I just thought that we were using the location. So I wasn't expecting Killer Mike either. Right. So but, when you uh, got there, you were like, obviously like, oh, I must have been one of the favorites because they like 
invited me to this like kind of private audition. Almost, yeah. I, I feel like <laughs> once I once I was there, I knew that uh, maybe what we were a part of in that moment was for the sake of more content. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew that there was going to be a harder audition, you know, set. So despite what we did there, um, we would end up getting another chance on moving forward. So, right. but it was pretty cool. Uh, ultimately. Did you say that you previously knew Quaver? Like, did, did you like have a relationship prior to the show? It wasn't like a serious, like uh, full blown best friendship. No, um, no, no. I know. But you mentioned that you guys have like crossed paths before. Yes, of course. We what have. was that? Um, well, my best friend, uh, which is still currently my best friend, he is into photography. So before the Migos were as big as they are today, um, they went to the same high school together. Yeah. Which is roughly, um, maybe five to 10 miles from my high school. So I have a lot of good friends in my high school, but all of my best friends ended up being from Berkmar, which is the school that the Migos went to. Yeah. Um, around that time that I was best friends with my best friend, Panda. He was taking uh, photos of the Amigos like way before they really launched and took off. Um, right. A couple times I was with them at the photo shoots. I, I, you know, chopped it up with the guys. They're pretty cool guys. They've always been um, pretty prone on making the best music for the sake of their career and making money. Right. And they definitely took off first. So shout out to the Amigos. So you've obviously like been very open and candid about you've you know you've dealt with some very traumatic experience. You've dealt with some trauma and. When you were accepted at your Atlanta audition, first of all, the way you were inclusive with the audience is like mm-hmm. my favorite thing about you. I knew like my audience would find you hilarious on this podcast, but you left the stage, you go back inside and you're like giving advice to the other contestants, like out of the kind, like I would never fucking do that. If I was, like, <laughs> if I was competing in front of Cardi B, I would fuck them over. Just completely fuck them over. <laughs> yeah. What was going through your head when you were like, I'm going to go back in and I'm going to be like Gandhi, Mother Teresa of the competition? <laughs> I feel like when I leave, when I leave with that, um, I find myself saying I turn into the better competitor when I have the best competition around me. So yeah. I don't do that by, you know, wanting the people who are mediocre to get through. The goal is to, to really give the most solid advice to a point where everybody around you can at least give the best audition to their ability. And um, whoever makes it, you know, by all means. But yeah, at the end of the day, I felt like, especially at that timing of the competition, um, it was a good time to show that, you know, good sport sportsmanship will definitely get you a long way. That was my favorite thing about you, by the way, despite me being like such a fucking bitch that I would actually like <laughs> strangle people to win the competition. Because in the battle rounds, where does it come from for you to like be able to take all that hate during a battle and being such a good sport about it? Because I saw some people really getting like very heated up about yeah. it. You got to take what your opponent is saying with a grain of salt. In, yeah. in battle rap you know if you take it serious uh, upon listening to it or hearing it if you show how it rouses you up he's winning you know yeah. uh, your competitor at that point if he says something he says something about your your eyebrow piercing or something and if you really feel some type of way about it and you show it then whatever he decided to think about you know when he wrote that line yeah it's a pretty clever stuff because it's got under your skin you got to realize especially in battle rap you truly have to have tough skin yeah. Um, where does it come from the, for you? Where does this tough skin come from for you? Like, where do you think 
What do you think? I feel you? like me and my friends, like me and my friends, uh, me and my brothers, my older cousins, uh, my uncles, we do this thing called flaming. And flaming yeah. is legit. Like Fanta. Yeah. You just, I do that you with all crazy. my friends. Yeah. You guys just go crazy on each other. And, and that truly, of, of going through that after a, a couple of years of getting your feelings hurt when you're younger, you know, um, you tell yourself, you know, wiping your tears, like, fuck that. I'm not taking this shit no more. So you, you know, after a while, you begin to come up with better jokes and and, and better um, puns on knocking them down a peg. So right. to translate that into rhythm, into rapping, um, is of course a challenge. But but it's so fucking fun. It's so fun. When is like far like too far? Like what is the limit? Because some of the shit that was said, I was like, if anyone had said this in any other context mm. that was not a rap battle these people would have been canceled like today yeah. in today's culture when it doesn't truly consist of rap i feel like when people decide to you know talk about their opponent when you're talking about the physicality of a person you know that's cool if you're digging to a point where you know you go and you decide to talk about let's say this person's family member has a terminal illness or some shit and you decide to talk about that that's too fucking far yeah you know that's too far. It's gotten to a point where now you're more so hell-bent on digging into this person's emotion and really just fucking with them versus you. You know, like, prime example, my competition in the uh, show, Jacob Campbell, great competition. He has some- This isn't your race. That was my favorite line of the whole entire show because it was so far, but in that context, it was done so beautifully that it wasn't too far. And I was like, if anyone else would have said this, they would have been canceled. But the way and that you it was. Know, the, the irony in that line, when I wrote that line, I strictly me- meant it for racing. Uh, when you listen, when the listener hears it, you know, and they hear race and they see in the line, you know, that on one side there's a black guy and on the other side there's a white guy, they automatically attach race to it which of course you know it fits but well if you're dumb and you don't know what a baton is i guess <laughs> like if you literally do not know your vocab some people don't some people don't that's what i mean but for you to be like you know what i'm still gonna go with it because it it's just such a it's just such good wordplay yeah in this context it was just so fucking good and i was it like was smooth too it, it was, was smooth so smooth and i just yeah, thought it was, was like my, one of my favorite parts of the competition for sure you know you were surrounded by all this incredible talent and the judges are obviously such like household names in the rap world whose feedback after every challenge were you like dreading the most i feel like it eventually ended up becoming chance but it didn't stay like that um, I feel like Chance had a, um, he had a certain, certain like and a certain spark for Jacob. And, um, a lot of my interactions within the first part of the show consist of Jacob being either involved in it with me or, you know, I'm going against him. So for the most part, it seems like he either doesn't give me criticism at all, or when he does, it more so leans towards, you know, the opposition of who I'm going against. So, yeah. but for the most part, I feel like to follow that, I feel like Cardi loved and appreciate all of us as artists so much that it almost made it hard for her to decide because as much as she had to make a decision with her group, she didn't necessarily want to send anybody home, you know, but at yeah. the end of the day- But she was, was harsh sometimes. She was- Yeah, fucking- I mean, no, she kept it real. She kept it all the way real in the show. But, you know, she didn't, you know, it almost like it pained her to keep it real. It's like- Yeah. I like you, but you didn't, you didn't do that good, you know? Yeah. And 
Chance is like, dude, that was trash. <laughs> no, and do you know what? Like throughout the whole show, for me, if I was in your shoes, which by the way, little brackets, I was back in the day. Okay. Um, no, yeah, I was on The Voice France. Mm. Yeah, I know. Uh, so I've been in your shoes. So I'm like, I love it when these like um, music competition people come on like, you know, my show yeah. and stuff. Chance would say these like really horrible mean things, but in, a const- in the most constructive way, like he's not a bitch, but mm-hmm. he would say these really, really hurtful things in a very calm and poised and well-spoken way that it made it okay. But mm-hmm. when you actually like, go into understanding what he's saying like it fucking hurts yeah <laughs> i was like if i was in your shoes or anyone's shoes in this competition i would be like i don't want to hear oh. what chance has to say yeah what mm. was one of the like the things that hurt your feelings the most that was said to you i don't feel like i i, I got you got good feedback all the time I, yeah i got some pretty good feedback i feel like um if we could be honest i i thought that as complex as i usually present myself in certain verses that chance would have more so appreciated my battle verse more than Jacob's, but I can also see in the same accord why he appreciated, you know, Jacob's, you know, the funniness and the wittiness of his bars a little more than the complexity. But chance is definitely more of like an intellectual rapper and your wordplay was so like up there that, you know, it would, which is why I thought, so I could definitely say that's the reason why I thought, if I if my feelings were hurt on any advice, it was advice that wasn't necessarily given to me. It was yeah. you know his appreciation for somebody else. But yeah. And that's good. cool. That happens. It's a competition, but it yeah. would have been nice to get a compliment or two from Chance the Rapper on your wordplay. You know what? I would have <laughs> been offended too. You gain 80k followers in one day. So you went from three thousand followers to eight hundred eight hundred uh, eighty thousand in one day. Now you're at like two hundred thousand. So all real, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um how does that kind of change the way you see yourself and the way you see your career and the way you go about your day-to-day life, the way you go about your content that you put out there? I feel like you just have to be more, uh, more careful. It's truly the, um, you're watching the transition of your life come in in front of you via like apps. So yeah. I'm looking at my following change and, you know, of course, the more that that happens, the more people are going to actually notice you out in public. So, just the, the frequency of what it is that you, how you display yourself online and in person, it just has to be um, ran through with just a bit more consideration. Here's what I want to ask you. Everyone's going to be like, did you get any opportunities from that? Like, did any celebrity reach out to you? No. I want to know if anyone slid in the DMs and if you like <laughs> replied to them. Um, no, nobody's been in the DMs. Um, the nobody's sh- in the DMs. No, I mean, as far as who you talking about, just like women, chicks, women? yeah, women, like super fans, like asking like picture oh. of your feet, like weird ass shit. Like uh, I don't know. No, no, no. I'm not sending out pictures of my feet. <laughs> no, neither am I, because I get those requests too. But like, you know what I mean? Like the foot fetish people, like I get it, but like not for me. Well, right. I don't get it actually. But like, if that's your thing, cool. I've gotten people in the DMs and stuff. You know, there's girls, there's fan love, and there's uh, producers that want to you know send beats and artists that want to work together yeah uh, been getting a bunch of that um as far as like significant people yeah there's been a couple um what, what who were those couple people with the blue check i got producers from um i forget their names it's producers from like brazil um there's artists out here cool um i asked cardi if she was um if she was following me and she said yeah <laughs> but oh. I was, 
that was through the DM. I was like, why are you not following me? She was like, man, I am following you. And that's like our only messages in our thread. <laughs> that's so funny that you can now like DM Cardi B. No, the fact that she followed me in, in the midst of all of the following going up, you know, and I didn't notice. I was like, you know, hey, man, we practically share a whole show together. I love your music. I love what you stand for as an artist. Why yeah. are you not following me? And she was like, I, I actually am. <laughs> Cardi's Hilarious. awesome. Cardi's awesome, man. So fucking funny. She's like my favorite. Like, I literally sometimes spend the evening watching like Cardi B funniest moments on YouTube. It's like mm-hmm. the best thing to watch ever. Mm-hmm. That's my meditation right there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I literally don't do the silent medication meditation i just watch cardi b like it's saying fucked up yeah. shit yeah <laughs> with regards to like rap and the rap culture okay. there's like this grit that is the essence of rap culture i feel like and so i want to know what things about you are like soft and not hard and that you would never publicize out there because it could really tarnish your image do you like i don't know suck your thumb do you sleep with a teddy bear like i don't know no i know but like (laughs) i have like this i have this tendency of like um if i'm really cold when i go to sleep like i have this tendency of like balling up in the fetal position that's your soft thing that's what you could come up with you don't have anything i mean i'm a ladies man so like i find myself like just completely extending generosity just in front of women no matter what the age range is you know what is that what does that mean holding door for women um yeah i feel like i'm a feminist like i feel like you know i don't i don't like when women are disrespected right stuff like that but as far as like just stuff that i do with myself like no i don't suck my thumb that's something i um every every now every now and again i get uh manny petties I feel like taking care of my my hands and my feet are... I'm obsessed with this. You know why? Because I actually watched the show with my boyfriend. And mm. when I and he really liked the show as well. And he doesn't give a fuck about my podcast. And when I told him I'm having children on the podcast and I want to ask him what makes him soft, he was like, ask him if he gets Manny Penny. We do, bro. We're good, man. <laughs> Tell him we're good. We are all clear on men getting Manny Petties. Because look, men's feet, I've seen like, I've you know... It's, it, it's fucking gross. Dude, get it together. It's like they it's, kick bricks. It's disgusting. I mean, yeah, literally, he has a skincare routine now, may I just add. <laughs> I was like bad either. Like I do I do face masks and stuff every now and then. Like I got like these gold face masks and stuff. Cause I'm I'm like I'm on camera, you know. So if you gotta you gotta take care of your skin and stuff. So Thank you for being open about this. Because yeah, of you know course. what? I appreciate a guy with a skincare routine. I appreciate a guy who doesn't have smelly feet. No, yeah, I know that it's like cool, like on photos, like rugged, whatever. If you're dating someone, I don't want smelly feet in my bed. I'm sorry. No. What woman does, you know? I, I feel mean, like the real men who are in tune with knowing what it takes to get a woman that's worth something, as the stuff like that isn't a problem for them. Okay, so you were top four finalist. Yeah. If you had one. What would you have done the money? And please, please, don't, I would have given it to charity. Like, what would you have bought with it? <laughs> I would like, have given it to charity. Fuck that. <laughs> no, you go to the shopping. Like, I don't know. What do you do with the money? Like, the first thing that you want to do for yourself with the money? Well, I would definitely make sure that I put it in all the right places. So getting capital, you know, investing in the stocks and investing into yourself. Um, I would definitely, like, try to pick up some sort of... of a store of mine's off the ground. I have different ideas for fashion, different ideas for, you know, um, shoes and streetwear of all different kinds. So what would you have really, got? Like, what's a pair of shoes that you would have got? Um, a pair of shoes that I would have gotten. 
I really want the red October Yeezys. Okay. Which are like, which are like they're done being made. They're Nike. So like it would probably be like a couple thousand bucks, like five, six thousand bucks. You could probably find them on eBay. Yeah. I would definitely splurge on that a bit. Um, I feel like I would definitely want a pair of those. If you get like a couple hundred thousand dollars and you're not splurging on a pair of trainers, what are you doing? I feel like after a while you begin to think about the things that you haven't had. And of course, it's only natural for, you know, people who have come across a, a, a large lump sum amount of money to one, think smart about it, invest in yourself. But it's always right for you to enjoy, you know, what it is that you've done because you've earned it. A hundred percent. By the way, I'm not trying to force you to say that you would spend it on yourself. I, you probably would have. I don't know what I, you would have done. I would done. take care of a lot of stuff. Knowing me, like my heart is really big. Like I would take care of my brothers in the sake of them needing stuff, whether that's clothing or, you know, um, paying bills or whether they had something that they wanted to, to venture off into, whether that be college, if I can help them out with something. Yeah. So the possibilities on what I would do with the money would be limited. Yeah. And also about the whole charity thing, I'm involved in a lot of charities. Like I do a lot of nonprofit work just because you're not giving money to a charity does not mean that you're not being a good person about how you're spending your money. So when I first started watching, I saw all these like younger kids, like being involved in the competition and usually in singing music competitions, those kids would like be the favorites. They would go through, they would win because people like younger people in this industry. And that was not the case at all in the competition. Mm -hmm. So how did you see it when you first saw those kids where you're like, oh yeah, the young ones are definitely going to go through. And how did you react when you saw that it actually was the skills and the talent and the experience that was kind of put forward in this competition? It's a bit of a shock because you can look at the young, the, the, the kids who were in the competition with the youth and to be honest with you, a lot of their talents that they had outbeat a lot of what the people who have, you know, who've been doing this music for years can do. Like prime example, Ariane, there's a, the, the kid yeah, from the beginning. Yeah, I remember. Ariane can rap his ass off. <laughs> he can, yeah. He can rap like nobody's business. What separates him from, let's say, D Smoke is the level of conviction um, the total experiences of what it is that they've gone through, because you could tell Ariana has been through some shit. So he has material that he's been through in his mental that he could talk about, but in the sake of displaying it, um, I feel like D smoke just kind of had more so of an upper hand and upper advantage on displaying where he comes from and how well he represents himself because he is a teacher, you know, he's, you know, he's been teaching kids for X amount of years. So he knows how to, present things properly. So that's yeah. that's a true edge that you could say um, the youth kind of necessarily didn't have that the, the the older crowd definitely made sure that they obtained. There's that level of like experience that, yeah. you know. There's way more seasoned. His battle completely crushed him because he couldn't take it. He didn't have mm-hmm. the maturity and the thick skin. At the beginning, I watched this competition. I was like, oh, we're going to see like a 14-year-old rapper like win this competition. And what really got me invested in this was they were more focused on who are the people who are a finished product that can go and be a professional in the industry. Mm-hmm. And so it was not a gimmicky show. Social media is so fake. TV is so fake. Finally, a competition where like the best people are just the ones that are going to like make it. Do you know what I mean? That's my mm-hmm. personal opinion, but you know... Yeah accurate that's an accurate opinion so re-watching the show besides the turbo dance because hello that was I love that fucking hilarious. 
What were some of your favorite moments that you'll remember forever, but that didn't, didn't necessarily come through that we didn't necessarily see? I know that you had a close friendship with London. What I feel like, like um, a lot of the, a lot of my favorite parts were parts that were definitely highlighted. Right. Um, so me on the basketball court with my, uh, my brothers is one of my favorite parts. Uh, when my little brother says, I don't know all the words, bro. As he's like behind the, the, in front of the camera. That's one of my favorite parts. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite parts is definitely when I bring London food, because as much as, as staged as that looked, that was actually pretty real. Yeah. I, I had called London's room. I had checked to see if she was hungry because, you know, we had talked um, maybe an hour or so earlier and we hadn't been eating. We just yeah. been cooking all day. So I had gotten done a little bit earlier than that. Yeah. Called and sees if she was hungry. She said, yeah, but I'm doing an interview. So order it in like, you know, 20, 30 minutes. So when I did it, she was pretty much wrapping up her interview. I made my way down. And once yeah. they saw that I was bringing food, I turned the camera on. So, so all it, of that. It wasn't like, staged it, for the cameras. It happened and then the cameras followed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we just happened I, to notice that uh, usually what they do is when the cameras are rolling and we realize that the cameras are rolling, we dive into conversation because they know that that's what they need is material. But even all of the stuff that we talked about in that moment of you know me bringing food to London, it was us, like yeah. completely 100% me and London B. So I'm very happy that they got key moments like that, that truly highlighted on our. And it shows again, the authenticity of the show, because I'm around a lot of reality TV people, reality shows that you've probably never watched, but, um, (laughs) but, but, you know, I see how things happen. They're like, you need to go talk to that person. And they've already staged that moment. You know what I mean? Was there this aspect of like, people started to date behind the scenes or like, what was that drama about? Like, I want to know about the juicy stuff behind the scenes. I really, to be honest with you, there wasn't much. Um, there was a lot of people who knew truly what their intent was coming into the show. Yeah. Um, the one piece of drama, it was so it was so minuscule. It was like, is it even drama really? It was really a strong misunderstanding that just kind of led on, you know, uh, my little sister Big Mouth Bo kind of going off a little bit. <laughs> that was pretty much the highlighted drama. What happened there? Like, I didn't really understand. I thought it was funny. Um, Ariane was like, um, he came in with some advice. He was telling everybody, um, you know, you guys should be humble in the sake of how you, you know, approach yourself with the battle. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people agree, you know, that's fine. You do what you want to do. If you want to come across humble in a battle, do that. If you want to come across arrogant, do that. Yeah. Caleb followed up and said, or you could just let them do what they want. <laughs> like, yeah. But he said it, he said it with that face. So I'm looking at Caleb dead in his face as he says it. Like he rolled his eyes. Yeah. It was like, he was like, or you can just let them do what they want. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't like, it wasn't like he was saying like, fuck you for saying that. But it was just like, or, you know, you guys, your approach on this is strictly up to you. Or like you're 12 and like, thanks for the advice, but like, bye. Pretty much. But like in a nice way. In a <laughs> right, nice in way. A, right. In a nice way. Yeah. But when he did that, I'm just looking at Caleb dead in his face. So I see his face do that. And this just sends me up like I just I start laughing so yeah. I'm laughing like obnoxiously and they notice yeah. that they're like what the fuck is so funny and I look up I'm like whoa <laughs> Where, what did this turn into all of a sudden I just I thought it was funny I'm, it's funny that the young kid is like I'm gonna give you guys a, a guy's advice and the more experienced rapper is like or not or the people who had the advice wasn't there to stick around, which is always the unfortunate part. It's unfortunate. People who have the most to say about what other people should do don't necessarily know what to... 
I've noticed that. I've noticed a lot of people like kind of not not like trying to make you bitch about anyone because I know like I know what it's like to compete with other artists. Like you're all in it together. But right. the people who come there and who do try to preach spend less time preaching and work on your on your lyrics. I don't know. But right. like genuinely, this is kind of a weird question, but I still wanted to ask you. So, you know, typically I have these like super like, you know, th- like reality TV people come on the podcast and they talk about like sex and their relationships and la la la. And right. I always and they're like very Hollywood. So I always ask them for like a tip of the week, like something that helps them get by, whether it's like an app. Is there an app that you use? You have like a routine, like a morning routine. I've never actually had a rapper on this show. Really? So I, yeah, I'm sure that everyone would be very interested like is there something that you do that kind of helps you cope on a day-to-day basis i never told anybody that because i'm such a good friend um i feel like for the sake of music i consistently wake up every day and i listen to instrumentals okay like what Uh, what do you mean instrumentals like beats that you could work on or like yeah yeah beats that i would eventually end up having the rights to if i decided to move forward with them so Okay. Um, I find myself getting up every morning, making myself uh, a cup of coffee, a okay. cup of tea, and I'll run those beats. I try not to play them too early because I am in an apartment complex, so yeah. I limit myself to playing music as early as like 11, 11 in the morning. So yeah. that's my main ritual. I'm starting to pick up um, meditating. It's no, wait, do you use an app? No, I don't use an app. What do you uh, do to meditate? Like, give give me the tips. Because, like, if I meditated, I would literally have a heart attack because I'm so stressed <laughs> all the time. No, like, I can't fucking... You know, I get kicked out of every yoga class I've yeah. ever taken because I can't stop laughing. Really? Yeah. You got kicked out legit. No, like, you need to leave. You are distracting this yoga class. <laughs> That's <funny>. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> what I find myself doing uh, for the sake of meditation is, you know, on YouTube, you can legit go and search up, like... um ocean sounds or like just normal nature sounds and stuff like that so i usually yeah. search that up for like maybe find a video that's like an hour two hours long turn it on and i got a yoga mat in my living room yeah lay it out sit cross legs and just try to zone in like it's it's hard like when you first try to do it like just to completely turn off everything outside of you i mean outside yeah and like legit channel into meditating but for 100%. the most part once you do it like the second or third time you start to, you know, um, truly chip into. Yeah, you feel the benefits. Your- yeah. Mm-hmm. It starts to work. You know what? This is giving me anxiety as we speak about it. Because how the <laughs> fuck am I going to be able to meditate? I don't know. I'm always on my phone. I'm always trying to book people. I'm always trying to be like a, I don't know, an Instagram whole. I, I don't know anymore. I just like, there's too many things for me to think about. I literally, the one time that I thought I was going to take yoga seriously, the teacher was like, get the fuck out. <laughs> That's funny. It's, I it's wish terrible. you recorded that. Huh? <laughs> I wish you would have recorded that. That's something to see. No, it was literally like, I think that if that video had been on YouTube, I would have gone viral. <laughs> Cause like nobody liked me. I like to think that I'm somewhat likable sometimes. Right. But no. <laughs> so anyway, what's going to happen for you? Obviously, you guys all worked with these huge producers at the end of the show. Every single one of these producers were like, hit me up. We're going to work together. Like, is, was that just bullshit? Like, are you going to work with these people? And tell me everything. You got to realize this is a culture shifting show. So everybody involved in it realized, even after a while, that the people that they were working with, this is a relationship that you might want to keep for the near future. Because as far as they get in this competition, if you decide to work with them after, it only helps your business. It only helps your brand. So like prime example with the finale. Um, take Amazing, Heath, by the way. 
Thank you, babe. Yeah. Um, take Keith, he immediately gets up and he says, I want to do a tape with you. And that was despite him knowing if I won or not. He did that out of the kindness of his heart because ultimately he saw what we were able to create under such pressure uh, and limited amount of time. He knows that if we were able to do anything else, that it would be just as successful as what we did here. So shout yeah. out to Keith too, by the way, because he definitely- So you're going to work have, with him? Yes. I've been in contact with Keith, um, a great guy, great spirit. He definitely is a man of his word. And a lot of the producers that said they were going to continue working with the artists after the show have definitely been living up to that so i'm not allowed to say that so i'll probably edit it out if you want me to edit but your your no, pr okay. told me that you were reading for a movie so like hello <laughs> well I'm there's like, um there's been a couple speaking roles that they they want me to audition for um i'm definitely i definitely have them on the schedule in the sake of tackling them um i definitely wanted to break um break through with the music first just gain the respect and notoriety with me actually making dope music content and then you know once that's parallel and being able to survive as strongly as it can then i can break down the doors of acting so so what are you going to do with your music how are you going to go about it well right now i have two projects that are um that are going to be coming within the next um really within the next year okay and, uh, let's put it down like that um one of them is the take Heat project a lot of people have been asking me about it um of course we're not going to keep them waiting with it for too, too long, but it is something that they truly, I, I want the pot to simmer with that one a little bit. I feel like they'll definitely appreciate it a little more. Right. And um, outside of that, in between that, um, working on a full length project, which will probably come um, around this time next year, and if not, around 2021. Right. Um, but all the time in between, we'll be doing a gang of interviews, um, auditions for movies, um, shows. We uh, plan on going on tour. So, the whole nine yards. Uh, we have new merchandise dropping soon within a couple of days. So everything is, is on the up and up in the sake of the brand. The brand is elevating. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much. Where can everyone find you? Plug all your socials, all the links, everything. Uh, Instagram, it is Troy Man Official. Twitter, same thing, Troy Man Official. TroyManOfficial.com is under uh, works right now. It should be coming within the next month or so. Um, but pretty much if you find me there, you'll find me everywhere. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you for having me.